yeah, I just had the thought that someone could die here. Like, it looks that serious. I've never seen a, a scene or situation that serious before. Guess be serious, but make jokes. No, no jokes. No, no jokes. No, no jokes. <laughs> this is serious. Cool. Well, Simon, welcome to the little picture. It's great to have you along. Uh, let's start. Obviously, you're my elder brother, so there is a lot of this story that that I know. But I'm uh, I'm really keen to share this story. So, can you tell us about your childhood? Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's about time you invited me on your podcast. I've been waiting for the invitation for a while. <laughs> My invitation must have got lost in the mail, maybe. <laughs> I was uh, very blessed and thankful to have a, a wonderful childhood. I think we got on well as brothers. I don't remember us having too many fights. No, well, I, I actually, just to stop you there, I actually remember when I think you were in year nine and you, you were taking a little extra longer on the computer and I I was a year six or seven kid and I, with all my might, I punched you in the face and you sat there and you didn't budge. And after that, I never picked a fight with you after that. So that's, uh, that probably explains that. <laughs> well, the, the honest truth in that story is it did hurt. I just pretended that it didn't hurt so I could come across as tough. <laughs> well, it worked. I didn't really think too much about God. I used to think he was real, but I didn't do anything about it. And I used to think that God when I was a child, was a bit like a genie in the sky. So I would pray to God or talk to God if I wanted something and I would wish for things perhaps in my prayers. Uh, so, for example, I might say to God, Dear God, help me win my soccer match. Or, Dear God, help me win the school cross country. So those were my prayers to God when I was a child. So I was treating God a bit like a genie. It wasn't a, a real friendship with God. I thought he was there. Was there any ever, in those prayers, was there any ever afterthought? You know, after you won your cross country or your soccer match, was there was there afterthought about God in that at all? None whatsoever. I got what I wanted and then I just moved on. Yeah. When I was in primary school, I do remember my parents occasionally taking us to church and Sunday school, so there was still a bit of an idea, a picture of God, and I was I was grateful for that. Uh, but for me personally, God was never in the picture and in primary school, and that continued as I entered into high school. And high school was interesting. I think in primary school I was a little bit sheltered. I remember my first day of high school, I wore a Billabong cap hat and it had an Adidas school bag. Now, apparently, Billabong and Adidas didn't match. I wasn't aware of this on my first day of high school. And uh, I was getting paid out for it from day one. I was getting paid out for wearing a Billabong cap hat and an Adidas school bag. And I thought, what is going on here? Uh, what world have I entered into? So for me, it was all about trying to fit in and wear the right things and do the right things and say the right things so I wouldn't be on the outer or get bullied or bashed in any way. I guess following God in high school wasn't didn't feel like that was an option either because that would have been considered as cool. And so for me, high school was about fitting in and, and doing things to impress the crowd. I remember another time there was a food fight between the year sevens and the year twelves. The year twelves were throwing food at us, and I took the courage and I had an apple. 
and I threw it at the year 12s and it hit the brick wall above their heads and splattered all over them. And I felt like a real hero. It was an excellent shot. But what happened next wasn't too exciting. I had these big year 12 guys come over to me, about six of them. They grabbed me. They picked me up by the arms and the legs and they marched me across the school from one end to the other and they said they were going to dunny flush me. And I was thinking, oh, no, how am I going to get out of this one? There's a few other kids cheering as it's happening. (laughs) And I was thinking what I was going to do as I entered into the toilets. Uh, But they took me right outside the toilets and they dropped dropped me there and then they laughed at me and walked away. Uh, (laughs) So I was a hero for a second until I almost got dunny flushed. Yeah, wow. That's probably your, your first good throw as well that you did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. High school toilets back then it weren't necessarily clean, or as clean as they could be. So I remember sometimes having to duck home to go to the toilet <laughs> rather than go to the high school toilet. That's what I would so. do. I'd go home to go to the toilet and I'd come back to school. Um, <laughs> you get your toilet class in the classroom and you run home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. So high school for you, it's about fitting in, it's about... Wanting to sort of be cool, but then also there's a bit of fear, obviously, not wanting to be bullied, not wanting to be beaten up and that sort of thing. When did God start to come into the picture for you in your high school journey? When I was about in year nine and year 10, there was a a Christian lunch group at the school, which I occasionally went to sometimes. had one or two mates that went along and I went along because they went along. I also got invited to the youth group around that time, so I occasionally went to the church youth group. I would say my motives for going to the youth group were probably wrong, but at the time I was probably going there to meet girls. And in year 10, I remember some people standing there and making fun about the Christian lunch group. And again, I sunk back into the crowd and kind of joined in in the mocking uh, because I didn't want to be considered one of those guys that went to the Christian lunch group. And then I remember in year 10 actually saying to God, I want to live my life now and when I'm ready, I will follow you. And I remember saying that to God because I felt like I wanted to live the good life now and I felt like the good life didn't involve God. I wanted to live my life and do what I wanted when I wanted and once I'd done that, then I would follow God. And I realised then that that was a, a really stupid decision because it meant I made a lot of poor choices in year 11 and 12. But it's significant, isn't it, that you are yeah, saying that, you know, even though I guess it's a, it's a prayer that we, we'd sort of reflect upon and go, well, that's a, a rather immature prayer to say. Um, it's significant that you did go to God with, yeah, some kind of conversation. Yeah, I, had a, I always had a hunch that God was real. And I guess it was a, whether it was a prayer or a statement I said to God then, yeah. uh, definitely was acknowledging that he was real, but I just wasn't ready to follow him or listen to him. I just wanted to do what I wanted at that time. So when I was in year 12, all my friends were planning what they were going to do for schoolies. So some were planning to go to Queensland and have a party. Some were planning on going on the schoolies cruise. Now, my parents sat me down at the time, but I don't think my parents were strong believers at the time. They really started taking church and God more seriously once I left school. But at the time, they sat me down and said, we don't want you going on schoolies. You can go on church schoolies. And I was I was horrified. I was horrified that I couldn't go on schoolies and I was horrified that I was going to go on church schoolies. I thought that sounds so lame and so boring. 
However, I did know a few people that were going because of my connection with the youth group and I was doing a bit of surfing with them at the time and I thought, well, if they're going, they seem pretty cool, I'll go along. And because I'm also, I was pretty obedient to my parents as well, so I thought, well, they're not giving me any options here, so I'm just going to take the best or the worst option, which is on the table, which was church schoolies. And I remember... When I got to church school, this went for two weeks. I remember the first week was just complete mucking around. We were playing pranks. We were sneaking out. We went to the pub one night. It was just a big joke and, and having a good time, uh, continuing, I guess, that lifestyle in doing what I wanted when I wanted. However, during church schoolies, there was Bible studies, and the Bible studies began to interest me a little bit. And in the Bible studies, they were talking about faith. I remember one night talking to the youth minister and I said to him what is faith and he gave me an answer at the time that was really helpful for me Uh, he said to me what does it mean to be unfaithful and I realized at that point the way that I was living my life I was being unfaithful to God in the way that I was living I was being selfish and I was completely going against God in every way and a couple of nights later, I had a conversation uh, with one of the other youth ministers there, and he talked about sin. And for me that night, uh, that's when I really felt God enter my life. I remember after that conversation and being convicted of my sin, I broke down in tears. I don't remember crying like that before, but I broke down in tears. And I went away on my own. I was alone on the beach, crying, 18 years old. And I sat down and I prayed to God and I repented of that time in year 10 when I said, God, I don't want to follow you and I want to live my life. And that night on the beach, I was alone and I gave my life to God. And it just felt like at that moment, uh, everything changed in an instant. And so I went on church school, he's not believing in God, doing what I wanted uh, and came home a believer mm. and a changed man. So what changed? So when I was on, when I was on church schoolies, my attitude when church schoolies started was that doing what I wanted and having having life to the full without God. I was looking to how to live life to the full and I thought to live life to the full didn't include God because God would restrict me. But I realised through reading the Bible on church schoolies, there was in John 10.10, 10, it's a 10 out of 10 passage. That's how I remember it. Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. Mm. And also in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I realized the life that I was looking for, the full life, and the life that I wanted and needed was actually found in Jesus. God wasn't there to restrict me in any way, but to save me and give me life in him both now and forever. And so that understanding of life for me in Jesus was a game changer. Mm. Just to skip forward a little bit, that must have been a really interesting and challenging journey in the sense that now suddenly you're entering a building site, you're a new Christian. What was that experience like? Well, it felt like my first day of year seven all over again. I talked about when I went to high school in year seven and I went in my Adidas hat and my Billabong school bag, or it might have been the other way around, sorry, a Billabong hat and Adidas school bag. It felt like that again. And I remember in year seven, I, I gave into the crowd. I remember my first day on the building side, I had to either be Christian or not be Christian. And I had to stand up for what I believed in and not just give in to perhaps the peer pressure or beliefs that might have been on the building site at that time. And so I remember from day one being up front when someone asked me, what did I do on the weekend? I was clear that I 
I helped at the youth group and I went to church and the guys in the building site were shocked uh, but that's what I did on the weekend. They also thought I was a reasonable bloke because I, even though I went to church, I still like football and sport and cricket and I was a builder. And so they thought, well, Christians mustn't be all that bad. But for me, the, the first day on the building site was I have to be clear that I'm a Christian. I'm either a Christian or I'm not a Christian because if I'm half a Christian, well, I, I will end up not being a Christian on the building site. And I can't recall specifically how those conversations were instigated initially, but I remember as I began to feel more comfortable in the weeks and months to come, I would often ask them first and say, what did you do on the weekend? And they would tell me and I would listen, knowing that they would ask me what I did on the weekend. And so then I was able to tell them. And so over time, it was a bit of a, a way that I could share my faith, was asking them the question first, the questions that I wanted them to ask me, knowing that they would ask it in return. Mm. And, and so that was great. So most weeks I had an opportunity to share what I did on the weekend in some way, shape or form. And and sometimes the conversation would just be left there. They'd nod their head politely. Some people would ask more questions about God and faith or maybe share a little bit about their own journey. And others would sort of laugh and do a little bit of mocking as well, which I was a bit more mature then and I was able to, to wear that. The guys on the building site were really perplexed that I'd be a young guy and that I'd made a decision to wait to marriage, to have sex. And so that brought up a lot of conversation and, and the guys on the building site just didn't understand that and why I wouldn't read the, the dirty magazines that were in the lunchroom, why I wouldn't go to the particular clubs with them that they went to. And again, why would I, why would I wait to marriage? Try, try before you buy would often be, be their motto. Hmm. So just by, with God's help, making those decisions and being, and being consistent with that, uh, over time, the guys, most of the guys respected my faith and respected my choices. Uh, not everyone, uh, but I did gain a bit of respect. And I remember one time there was one guy and he was just putting pressure on me every day, every lunchtime uh, to to read things and to go to places. And he was really hounding me and could almost say bullying me a little bit. And I remember... In the lunch room one day, this guy was really giving me a hard time and putting a bit of pressure on me. And all the other builders in the lunch room turned on this guy and mm-hmm. stuck up for me and told me to told him to leave me alone. And uh, so it was a good a good moment in the sense that well, at least these other guys respected that I was a Christian and, and came to my defence at that point. And so hopefully, overall, hopefully I was a good witness to God when I was on the building site in that way. You've been married married now, 11, 12 years now that you've been married. Part of it's not your journey. Can you, can you share a little bit? Children didn't come straight away for you guys. Just from your end, what was your, I guess, experience and struggle with that? So we are, yeah, we're very blessed and very thankful that, yeah, we've had a good marriage. We've been married for 11 years and, yeah, we're thankful that God brought us together and that we're able to get married and, yeah, we both love God and love each other. Uh, we made a decision maybe about five or six years into marriage. I can't remember specifically now, but to start to try and have children. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, it didn't go to our plan. And yeah, for us, that yeah, that was challenging, and that and that was that was that was disappointing. And there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of letdown, and 
disappointment that we, we felt and experienced uh, during that time. For me, I learned that uh, when you go through trials and hardship, uh, the Bible in 1 Corinthians talks about how God comforts us so we can comfort others. And so I remember going through that, that, that hard journey and disappointment of not being able to, to have kids at that time, uh, but feeling comforted by God as well. Mm. And I think it made me a more compassionate and empathetic person as well to go through something like that and meant that I was also then able to comfort others in their grief or pain better than mm. I perhaps was before that experience. So that was a way that I saw God use that experience. I think I learned during that time to be content in God. If God is all I have, then that's that's all I, I need. Obviously I had a wonderful wife as well and, and Christian family and friends and I've also learned to be content in God and God alone at that time and that he's all I want and desire. I think I also went through a bit of a wrestle as well that and this was a wrong way of thinking, but at the time my thinking went a bit a bit off. I was thinking, oh, have I done something wrong and is God punishing me uh, because of something that I've done wrong previously um, in the years, you know, as a Christian or non-Christian, is God punishing me for a sin that I did? Is this punishment from God? And, yeah, I really had to learn, read the scriptures and be reminded that, well, God's forgiven my sin. God isn't punishing me. God, God loves me. He's forgiven my sin. I'm a child of God. He's lavished his love upon me. And that, yeah, it wasn't something that I did or didn't do. It was just God's plan at that time. So again, I learned to depend completely and entirely on Jesus and, and not, not blame myself in any way or think it was something that I, that I, that I did. Um, it's funny when you go through, I know trials or suffering you think oh yeah is it something is god punishing me for something mm. uh, so i had to go through that wrestle and i was a bit of you know i thought i was a fairly strong believer at the time but that that was a challenging little period for me and even learning what it means to have faith as well you know you think well if you just have faith we'll, you know, we'll be able to have a baby um but faith at the time was just trusting god no matter what mm. you know, that's that God wanted me to have at that time and and so that was a good way to grow as mm. well and I just had to spend a lot of time reading the Bible and getting good support from Christian friends as well and we actually got to a point where having children didn't seem like what it was going to happen for us um, and uh, and I had some disappointments in that and we're actually planning to go to to India for six weeks and we thought, well, maybe if God doesn't want us to have children, maybe he wants us to go elsewhere for a while. We're going to go to India for six weeks on an insight tour. And we made that decision and we were going to go. But at the same time, that's when we fell pregnant as well. And we had our had our first uh, our first child born nine months later, uh, Grace. And we're very thankful for her. And then uh, not long after that, uh, we also had the second child, Esther, as well. So... Uh, we're very thankful to God, thankful to God, to God if he didn't give us kids, but and very, but also very thankful to God that he has given us kids as well. Hmm. Simon, a few years back you received a bravery award uh, for your involvement in an ocean rescue. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I felt like it was just an action that God wanted me to take. I felt 
reasonably confident in the water and felt like I might have been able to help or do something. And I remember that morning actually waking up and looking at the conditions, which were high tides, very, very big waves that day and, and a massive, massive uh, rapids out into the ocean. And I thought something could go wrong here. If someone tries to swim in this, uh, something could go terribly wrong. And, yeah, it was a family. There was about five kids and an adult that were swimming and unfortunately underestimated the, the current. They were swimming a fair way up and then started to get pulled out into the ocean and they were screaming out for help. And and so, yeah, I thought that morning if that happened, I thought what would I do in that situation? So I kind of had a little bit of a pre-thought what I might do. But I didn't think it would actually happen. and And so I followed through with that and I was running down and, it would have been smart to put some shoes on because as I was running and running on the rocks, I cut my foot and uh, I looked down and thought that's going to need stitches. But thankfully it wasn't bleeding much at the time, so I just kept on running. And, yeah, when I got there, it was it was a pretty horrible scene. Uh, by that stage, the people had been pulled behind the rocks and, yeah, I just had the thought that someone could die here. Like, it looks that serious. I've never seen a, a scene or situation that serious before. And there was a lot of people there and, and other rescuers had already jumped in the water as well. So when I got down there, it looked like there was about 10 heads in the water and all these people were getting swept towards the rocks. And I began to climb down uh, onto the from the rocks into the water and I got someone to pass me my surfboard but it was going to be pretty impossible to, to paddle out because the waves, the angle that the waves were coming and at that point the people were getting pretty swept close to the rocks so I quickly passed my surfboard back up and as people were getting swept towards the rocks uh, myself and another man that was next to me we were able to grab the people as they were getting swept towards the rocks and I grabbed a lady and the man next to me also had a couple of kids there as well. And he was able to help lift the kids up on the rock. And uh, it was a very thin rock that we were standing on as well. And, you know, I started to pull this lady up out of the water, but she was a dead weight, like she was exhausted. And so I don't know how, but somehow I managed to get her out of the water. And I had to put my shoulder um, under her leg and lift her up almost on my shoulder to get her up on the on the rock shelf above and others helped her up as well. Um, I noticed at that point someone had thrown my surfboard back in the water and I saw that sort of getting pounded on the rocks. So my surfboard was out of action, not that I thought I was going to be able to paddle out anyway. And then so I got myself out of the water. So thankfully there was a lady and a couple of kids that got out of the water and I think as that was going on some more were getting out of the water. And then there was people being swept to the rocks from the other side. And so then at that point, I think I saw you. And uh, Well, I had finished my tea, so I sort of wandered down by that point. You came down and had your tea, you came, came to check on me. And, uh, yeah, I ran around the other side. And I think one of the, the rescuers, there was another, might have been someone else we helped pulled out of the water. It's a bit blurry now, but then one of the rescuers was trying to, to get back now. He was in trouble and he was really struggling uh, and everyone was cheering him, encouraging him to, to get back to the rocks. 
and he got close to the rocks, at the bottom of the rocks, and then myself and another man, we ran down to help him out of the water because he pretty much just got to the rocks and he pretty much it looked like he almost just collapsed on the rocks and uh, he was crawling out very slowly, uh, but he wasn't in a good position. And so we ran down and and together we pulled him up a bit higher on the rocks. But as we were doing that, a wave, a wave swept over us as well, a big wave over our head. I knocked off my glasses, so I lost my glasses and got a few little scratches from that. And then we're just saying, you got to get out. You can't stay here. You can't stay here. You got to get out. And so we got him to the top. And then he sort of he lied down there on the rocks and others took over and came to his aid. And at that point, the police and the ambulance was down there as well. And amazingly, amazingly, everybody that was in the water that day, kids and adults, uh, got out safely. Mm. And uh, from my view, that was that was a miracle. Um, and that was a way I could witness to God when others talked to me about it later. Like, Thank you, lucky stars, they might say. And I was able to say, well, I believe it was a miracle uh, and an answer to prayer that everyone got out of the water safely uh, that day. And, yeah, I remember afterwards one of the mums, she was extremely thankful. Like I've just never seen someone so thankful. Mm. And she, because I wandered away from the scene after that, we went back up to the house and I actually – I remember you and Dad took me to the hospital so I could get my stitches or staples. So we did all that. And so I, I, I left the scene at that point. And um, there was others talking to the police at the time. And so the lady, she went around door knocking trying to find me and others that were involved in the rescue. And, and she was just so, so thankful and uh, saying stuff, you know, I want to kiss your feet and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, just incredible. Like her daughter had just been saved. And later on she brought around gifts, uh, books for our children and chocolates, and she wanted to, to nominate me for a bravery award. Now, I guess I didn't really want the award or want the attention, and so it was a bit of a hard decision, like do I accept this or not accept this? I kind of thought... Didn't, yeah, didn't really want want the attention for it, but I felt like it was a way to to honour her as well. Like she really wanted to thank me, and so I felt like, well, this you know, it's just I have to receive this because it's what she wants to do for me. It was her way of thanking me and others that were involved. So uh, yeah, I said to God, okay, like I'll go through this process and and the nomination process anyway to see. Uh, yeah, where it leads, and it just might be an opportunity to be an ongoing witness to God. And so, yeah, she nominated us, and yeah, we received. In the end, we thanks to God, we received a couple of awards: a a life saving bravery award, and also an Australian group bravery award as well. And for me too, the rescue. There was a couple of opportunities to do some interviews with like local newspaper and Christian magazines as well and some others spoke on the radio about it and I also believe it was on the news as well. I think for me where again where my faith came into it was like this lady she was just so incredibly appreciative and thankful that her child had been saved and the other children had been saved and maybe just think about my own faith in Jesus and how thankful am I that, that Jesus saved me and that was 
I think sometimes that's something when you're a Christian for a long time, you can take that for granted. And it just reminded me how thankful I need to be that Jesus has saved me from Satan's sin and death and to look again to God, not just for there was the physical saving that happened that day, but also the the spiritual salvation that we have in Jesus as well. I was able to share that with with those involved in the rescues Mm. as well, talk about the salvation that we have in Jesus and that we need need that salvation. So it was good to have some faith-based conversations as well. But I was just reminded and thankful for me personally how God has rescued me and others that believe from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Thank you for listening to the Little Picture Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, check out our Facebook page and like and follow us there. Here at the Little Picture, we are all about hearing the stories of ordinary Christians as they serve an extraordinary God. Until next time, goodbye.